If you have your Bible, turn with me to Genesis chapter number 12. That's where my assignment for this weekend comes from. And um, we are jumping into two texts that will be the basis for our entire new series that we're starting right now. Genesis chapter 12, verse number 1 says, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. How many of you know that's for you? I said, how many of you know that's for you? You may think that's just for Abraham, but it's also for you, amen? And then also in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22, the Bible says, The blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. By the way, some people ask, well, how do you tell the difference between the blessing of God on somebody's life when they're rich and the and just somebody who doesn't have the blessing of God, but they're rich? And rich not just in monetary, but rich in so many areas of life. Well, the blessing of the Lord is distinctive because, and it adds no sorrow to it. In other words, when God gives it to you, he gives it to you without regrets. Amen. Praise the Lord. Today we're launching into our our new series, Blessed to be a Blessing. It will culminate with our annual special offering that we take every year so that God can continue to work through us and be a blessing to other people. And so today I want to talk to you about the blessing of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you minister by your grace, your power, and by your Holy Spirit? Would you give us utterance in the things that we need to hear and the things that will help us to be more like Jesus, we pray in his name. And everybody said, you may be seated. What is the blessing of the Lord? Well, in modern Christianity, we have decaffeinated the meaning of the word blessing to simply describe the good things that we have. Stuff, money, houses, cars, family joy, peace, etc. And that's not completely wrong. It's just decaffeinated. And what does that mean? It, it has a little caffeine in it, you know, like decaffeinated coffee. It's not completely decaffeinated. It's got a little bit of decaffeinated. It's just not as powerful as the caffeinated stuff. And although it's true that all those things, the stuff that we often reduce down to the blessings of God or reduce the blessings of God down to stuff, that's that's some truth in that. It's much more powerful than that. God's blessing is beyond just things in our lives. Now, before I kind of go any further, we know that God likes to give us good things, right? We don't have to really establish that in a church like ours. We're well taught in that area. We know the Bible says, if you then being evil know how to give good things to your children, how much more shall your Father in heaven give good things to those that ask? We know in the book of James, it tells us every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights in whom there's no variableness, neither shadow of turning. In other words, God loves giving good things and he's not changing his mind, right? God's not going to just, one scripture says, if you ask him for bread, will he give you a serpent? If you ask him for a fish, will he give you a rock, right? God doesn't surprise us. God loves to give us good things. But the good things that God gives us are the fruit of the blessing of the Lord, not the root of the blessing of the Lord. Let me say that again. The good things that God gives us are the fruit of of the blessing of the Lord, but not the root of the blessing of the Lord. In the Hebrew culture, a father's blessing was highly sought after. 
Jacob and Esau, they fought over their father's blessing, didn't they? They wanted to, their father to lay their hands. As a matter of fact, one of them tricked his father into putting the blessing on him. Jabez prayed a prayer for God to bless him to reverse the curse of his namesake. You remember that? His name, Jabez, mean, meant pain. And he prayed and he stood before. He said, God, that you would bless me and that you would bless me indeed that I might not cause pain. And so a father's blessing was when a father declared he would literally lay his hands on his children and to declare his will and his intentions over his children. It would be like a father prophesying would be a good way to say over his children, calling for all of the good things that he saw in his child's future and wanted for his child. And they believed in the Hebrew culture that when a father did this, it was, it was irrevocable and it would set into motion all of those things that the father spoke over his children. And so I believe, just a little pause, that this is still true today. And, and part of the reason why the family is so under attack today is because of the power of the voice of the father's blessing. And so if you don't have a dad in your life, that's okay. Moms often step into that role. But in our society, what has happened is the family has been divided, redefined, all of those kind of things. And one of the things that has been robbed is the power of the father's blessing. And so I want to encourage you, if you are the head of your house, especially if you're a dad, but if there's no dad and you're the head of the house, declare your blessings, declare what's in your heart over your kids, call over them for long life and call over them for the right husband, call over them for the right wife, call over them for the right career and the right church and, and the right future and the right relationships and speak those things over your kids because that is powerful. But the most powerful blessing of all is the blessing of the Lord on our lives. Because when God speaks, whatever God says comes to pass, period, right? The book of beginning says it best. This is how the Bible starts off. It starts off letting us know the power of God's declaration on this planet, right? And God said, and it was so. And God said, and it was so. And God said, and it was so. And in Isaiah 55, verse 11, he says, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it will prosper in the thing for which I sent it. When God speaks, it happens. Jesus said to a lame man that was carried by his four friends, take up your bed and walk, it happened. He said to a blind man named Bart Bartimaeus, receive your sight. It happened. He told a dead man named Lazarus to come out out of the grave, and it happened. And Jesus had to be careful. He didn't just say, come out of the grave. He said, Lazarus, come out. Because if all he did was say, come out of the grave, everybody in their graves around that time would have walked on out. Because when God speaks, it happens. The centurion servant who had a servant that was sick said it best. He went to Jesus. What did he say? He said, Lord, just say the word and my servant shall be healed. What did he understand? When God speaks, it happens. And here are the facts. God has spoken and continues to speak blessing over our lives as Christians. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. I'm not going to be cruel and ask you to find the book of Zephaniah. 
because half of you would have no idea where it is in the Bible. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse number 17 says, he rejoices over us with singing, right? So God is not just declaring the word over us, but God is singing over us. And look how powerful Hebrews is in relation to this truth. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22 says, but you have come to Mount Zion, And to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, where there's an innumerable company of angels to the general, listen to this, assembly and church. I like that. Just let me just hit a pause there for a minute, right? Church is an assembly. Church is not a living room thing. Church is not a kitchen thing, okay? Matter of fact, we're going to see this in just a little while. I'm getting ahead of myself. But the actual church is the Greek word ecclesia, and it means called out assembly, That's literally what it means. So there is no such thing. Yes, you can watch online, but that is not church. You didn't attend church because you watched online. Now, if you have to watch online because you can't make it, you're sick, you're traveling, whatever the case may be, God honors that. That is no substitute for getting your lazy old big butt in church. I told you if you're quiet, I have to amp it up just a little bit, right? To the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. What does that literally mean? It literally means in the heavenlies right now before the mercy seat of Almighty God and before the throne, the blood of Jesus is speaking out on our behalf. The blood of Abel, Abel was killed by his brother Cain. It cried out for vengeance. It cried out for get even. But the blood of Jesus is in the heavenlies right now and it's speaking out for every covenant promise that God purchased for us on the cross. God speaks over us. And when God speaks over us, when God speaks it, hell can't stop it. When our father speaks, roadblocks can't stand in the way. When our father speaks, doors cannot stay shut. When our father speaks, we are directed towards our destiny. When our father speaks, our chains are loosed, our bondages are broken, and richness of every kind and in every way shows up in our life. This is the blessing of the Lord. It is God speaking over us. Now, we have something to do with that blessing also coming on our life. We'll look at that in just a minute. But the blessing of the Lord is God's pronouncement of every good intention that he wants for your life. One of the greatest ways for you to just remind yourself of what God's will and God's plan and God, what God is saying about you is just get in the word. Anytime you get in the word, the Bible talks about the washing of water by the word. When the word washes over you, it's because the father is speaking over you, right? How many of you know that when dad or mom speak over you and when they speak words of life over you, it does something. And I want to remind the parents, don't just always correct your kids, but speak good things over them as well. That's refreshing to their soul. And they might, you know, roll their eyes or something like that. But I promise you, they love it. They love to hear mom and dad say, I'm proud of you and you're going to make it and you're doing so good and I I just love the fact that you're overcoming and I'm proud of the career path that you're taking on. Proud you're such a hard worker. You look so beautiful and you look so handsome and I know God's got good things in store for you. Speak those wonderful things over your children. 
Because God speaks over us. We'll enter Abraham. Remember, the blessing is the root. The good things we have are the fruit. Enter Abraham. He is a sun and moon worshiper from Ur of the Chaldeans when God chooses him. And yet God chooses him to be the father of our faith and speaks a blessing over him. Thank God God doesn't choose based on where we are currently, but rather he chooses on who he's created us to be. Aren't you glad that God doesn't just look at you and what you're doing right now? God sees everything that we're doing, by the way, which should make us all a little bashful sometimes. Because sometimes we think ain't nobody looking, I'm going to get away with this. God sees it all, right? But thank God God doesn't choose or call based on what we're currently doing or where we're currently at, but rather he chooses or calls based on what we have been created to be. And so that's why the scripture says he uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. That's why everybody else could look at David, see just a shepherd boy, and God can see a king. Everybody else could look at Esther, see a slave girl, God can see a queen. Everybody else could look at Nehemiah and see a cupbearer, and God can see a repairer of the breach and a builder of the wall. That's why Jesus came in carpenter's clothes, but he was the king of kings and lord of lords because God doesn't choose based on where we currently are, but rather who he's created us to be, right? And so God chooses Abraham, this moon and this sun worshiper, to be the father of our faith. And then he pronounces a blessing on him that cannot be stopped. Abraham's physical limitations could not stop it. Because even though his equipment was past age, God still gave him a son at a 100 years old. Because our physical condition cannot stop the blessing of God. Abraham's mistakes couldn't stop the blessing of God. Remember, he fathered a child through the maid, had Ishmael, but Isaac still came. Abraham's fears couldn't stop it because he lied to King Ahimelech or Abimelech about Sarah being his sister, but yet God intervened and said, don't touch her. She belongs to me and to Abraham. The blessing of the Lord cannot be stopped. If God puts it on you, listen to me, no devil in hell can take it off you. The only thing that can keep you from it is you, your lack of knowledge or your disobedience to walk in it. He picked unlikely Abraham and pronounced a blessing on him. Listen to the blessing. Here's what it says. Now the Lord said to Abraham, get out of your country, from your family and from your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you and then you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Incidentally, sometimes God has to move you or detach you in order to bless you. Get out of here. Right? I don't mean get out of here. I should just say get in here. Right? Now get out of here, get in here, right? But sometimes God's got to to move you or detach you in order to bless you because there are things that are holding us back. And what's amazing about saints is saints things think a lot of times that good things are holding them back. Good things don't hold us back. Church don't hold you back. Being in God's house don't hold you back. Being in a small group don't hold you back. Prayer doesn't hold you back. The things that God often has to detach us from are the toxic things in our life, the sinful things in our life, the behaviors in our life that, that are weights in our life that are holding us back, right? The Bible says, let us run the race that is set before us, getting rid of the sin and the weights that so easily beset us, and let us run the race that is set before us. The detachment is also from the stuff that is holding us back. 
back, right? And just so you can hear it again, the only thing that was standing in the way of Abraham's blessing was Abraham's obedience. Listen, if you obey, it'll be okay. If you obey, it'll be okay. Pastor, I don't understand. Everything's going wrong, and I don't understand. You know, what what is that? Just obey, and it'll be okay. God always gives us instructions. God is always speaking to us. The Holy Spirit is the greatest talker in our life. Your wife is not the greatest talker in your life. The Holy Spirit is the greatest talker in your life. He's always giving us instructions. He's always one step ahead of the game. He's leading us and he's guiding us. And so if you are willing and obedient, the scripture says, you'll eat the good of the land, right? Now this blessing is something that can be hard for us to get excited about because it seems like it was just for Abraham and his descendants, which were the Jewish people. Now let me push the pause button for a moment and give you a little bit of history. I heard a pastor talk about this recently. He went on a trip to Israel, and he went to their diamond center. And they have this theater where they show you all about the history of diamonds and the and the Jewish culture and all of that. And he learned that Jewish people own about 70% of the world's diamond market, which is valued at $82 billion, and there are no diamonds in Israel at all. No diamonds in Israel, naturally speaking. And they own 70% of the world's diamond wealth. And he talked about how when the Jewish people were dispersed all over the world due to persecutions, things seemed down for the Jewish people. And he pointed out how when they tried to migrate over to Europe, there were all sorts of laws passed that said the Jewish people could not own land or buildings. And anytime you prevent a race of people from owning land and buildings, you squash their ability to create wealth on purpose. We had that happen in our society. It was redlining back in the uh, mid-1900s. We never talk about that. But anyway, he pointed out that how in Europe, it was almost impossible for Jewish people to acquire wealth. But God gave them wisdom. He spoke to them about a little portable product that had great value, something that they could put in their pocket. And they already had a distribution system all across the globe because they had been scattered all abroad. And so what God did is he took something that the enemy meant to keep them down and he used it as a way to take them over. I want you to know that no matter what happens to you in life, no matter how much people try to keep you down, when God puts a blessing lesson on you. Nobody can stop it. Don't be a victim in life. Understand that in Christ you are a victor. You can overcome any circumstance. And so this blessing that God put on Abraham and the Jewish people was something that was powerful. It belied even what history has done to them or tried to do to the Jewish people. Now you say, well, pastor, that's good for Abraham and the Jewish people, but how does that help me? Galatians chapter 3. Can you go there with me? Galatians chapter 3, and I'm going to begin reading in verse number 9. It says, so then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. Let me read it again. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. Here's my question for you. Are you of faith today? I'm going to ask again because some of you have no idea whether you're of faith or not. Are you of faith today? 
What does that mean? It means are you in Christ? Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Then by authority of the word of God, the same blessing that God pronounced on Abraham and God pronounced on the Jewish people is yours in Christ. You just need to be aware of it and understand how to walk in that blessing. How do we get that blessing? Why is that blessing on us? Galatians chapter 3, jump down to verse number 13. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having been made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So, so much in that. First of all, how many of you know Abraham did not have the Spirit? So what that tells me is that if I get the blessing that Abraham had on him, plus I get the spirit, there's a greater blessing on me. There's a greater blessing on you than there was even on Abraham's life. Can you wrap your mind around that for a minute? Because the reason why we live far beneath the victory that God wants us to have is because we are not aware of what is ours in Christ Jesus. Why is the blessing that God gave to Abraham also ours? Well, look at what it says. It said, along came the curse. First, God gave the blessing to Abraham. Put on, Then came the curse of the law. What is the curse of the law? It's the ramifications of sin and death. And they're all listed for you in Deuteronomy chapter number 28. Have you ever read the verses of curses? They're all, I mean, it talks about some serious stuff in there. It talks about things being taken away from us. It talks about marrying a woman and having somebody else sleep with her. It talks about having rashes and itches and this thing called the botch. I don't even know what the botch is, but it's in there. It says being poor, crazy, and having no rain on your land. How many could do without the verses of curses in the Bible? How many could do without rashes and itches in the botch in your life? I don't know what the botch is, but I don't want it, right? Well, hello. So God puts this puts this blessing on Abraham, then along comes the curse of the law, and the curse seems to want to halt the blessing. But then along comes Jesus, and the Bible says that Jesus became the curse for us. He took all of the ramifications of sin and death on his life. And at that moment when he hung on the cross, he reversed the itches and ratches and botch from all of our lives so that the blessing of Abraham could come on every one of us. I don't know about you, but that makes me happy. I know I'm never getting the botch. (laughs) Jesus is the reason why God's blessing is on our life. If you are of faith, then you are blessed with believing Abraham. That's why the Bible says you ought to be blessed coming and going. That's why the Bible says you're the head and not the tail, blessed only, never beneath. Because our Father has spoken a blessing over us, and when our Father speaks a blessing over us, every good thing that he has intended for our life belongs to us and comes on us. Now in Hebrew... The word blessing is literally synonymous with the word benediction. And we know what a benediction is, right? A benediction is when somebody, it gives good spoken words. Benny means good and diction means spoken words, benediction. benediction. And so we now know that a blessing has authoritative power. It has command. This is why we have to be careful what we, if we, we put a curse on our kids. 
Now, literally, it doesn't happen that easy. You know, sometimes we feel like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Now the curse is on my But the point is, some people, they, they say things to their children over and over and over again. And they say things to their spouse over and over and over again. And then they wonder why these things manifest in their mind. Because first, it starts here. Because words impact people here first. And then after the words get here, eventually they get down here. And when words go from here to here, people start walking those words out in their life. That's why we've got to wash each other with the word. That's why we shouldn't ever be speaking bad about one another. I know people do crazy things. I know people do wrong things. But you don't do yourself or them any good by talking about it. Right? That Bible calls that gossip. How many of you know gossip is a sin in 2021? And Christians try to get away with it all the time. Well, I don't mean to talk about that much. I know I shouldn't be saying it. Would you promise? Listen, if you tell one person, you told everybody. Because everybody's got one person, right? Everybody's got one person that they trust is not going to tell that, that other person. And before you know it, 50 million people, and all of a sudden, you got this big thing out in the atmosphere that wounds people. We are not to wound people with our words. We are to wash people with our words because our Father washes us with his words. Can I get a good Amen. God wants us blessed. And so blessing, benediction. And, and literally, in Hebrew, it also means prosperous. How many of you know God wants you prosperous in every way? The Bible says in 3 John 2, Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. And if you looked at, at that in the original language, the first prosper is in your business affairs. The second prosper is in your body. The third prosper is in your soul. But the third one, even as your soul prospers, is the most important prosperity because it is the linchpin to everything else prospering, right? Everything flows out of what's on the inside of you. We talked about the God kind of life being on the inside of us, overflowing onto everything on the outside of us. So the blessing of the Lord literally means total prosperity. But in the Greek, it means happy happier, and favored. It is used excessively by Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. How many ever heard the Sermon on the Mount before? You should read your Bible. It's a good book. Starts in Matthew chapter number 5, goes on for chapters and chapters and chapters. And Jesus says things like, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those that mourn. Blessed are the brokenhearted. Blessed are, blessed are, blessed are, blessed are, blessed are. And these are called the be blessed attitudes, right? The be attitudes. How many of you know that your attitude has everything to do with whether or not you see blessing in your life or you don't see blessing in your life? Because if you have the right attitude in any given circumstance, God can turn even the the worst things into great blessings in your life. Do you remember Joseph? Joseph was thrown into slavery. He had a good attitude. Joseph was lied about. He had a good attitude. Joseph was put in prison. He had a good attitude. And Joseph eventually wound up at the palace. And when he was there, he looked at everybody. He said, what y'all meant for evil, God turned it around for good. Why? Because he had a good attitude. How do I get blessed, pastor? Got to have a good attitude. In all things, in everything, you've heard it said before, your attitude in life determines your altitude. You know what really bothers me more than anything else? You want to know how to get on my bad side? 
catching attitude. I don't care if you sin. I mean, I do, right? Like, but if you sin, grace to pick you up, right? No problem, because we're supposed to restore. But attitude, mm, I just, I just like, mm. I don't know, man. You don't know. I'm from Brooklyn. You give me attitude, you might get some attitude right back, right? And so we ought to understand that even Jesus teaches us that our attitude determines our altitude. And so I want to give you seven of the blessings, and I'll go through them real quick, I promise. Seven of the blessings that God promised to Abraham that are yours in Christ, that God wants you to have. The first one is divine leadership. Let's look at the first one, Genesis 12, verse number 1. Now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. This is God promising Abraham divine leadership to a place that he will prosper in and fulfill his destiny. This was the land of promise. By the way, when the children of Israel were scattered, they were brought back together again because that's what happens when the blessing of God is on you. When the blessing of God is on you, when stuff comes against you and scatters you or disjoints your life, it's just a matter of time before it all comes back together again. And so the Jewish people were the only people that have been scattered and all brought back to their very homeland. And when God brought them back, he brought them back to what was known to a place that was known where the king's highway that ran north to south and the way of the sea that ran east to west converged on one another. This is where everybody in that time had to cross through for trading. So God brought them back to the intersection of the blessed place. Can I tell you what happens when God pronounces a blessing on your life? He will eventually bring you to the intersection where everything in your life converges and the blessings of God begin to overtake you and overflow in your life where goodness and mercy are chasing you down. And I feel like I'm preaching to myself tonight. Some of y'all don't want this. That's fine. More for me. God will bring you to that place. Divine leadership. He wants to lead you to the right job, the right spouse, the right career, the right church, the right connections, the right education, the right calling. And listen, sometimes at the intersection where blessings converge, there's a lot of traffic. So what do you mean, pastor? Sometimes you might be in the place of blessing, but there's a lot going on to move you off your place. And that's why Christians have to have staying power and standing power where we don't go by circumstance, but we go and we are led by the Spirit of God. Second blessing that God promises is on us is divine family. Genesis chapter 12, verse number 2, he says, I will make you a great nation. So many things in that, but the first thing is a promise of a divine nuclear family. Your family is supposed to be a blessing in your life. For a lot of people, it's a source of pain, a source of problems, and a source of issues. But listen to me carefully. That stops with you. I said that stops with you. The cycle stops with 
you. Why? You're in Christ. There is a blessing on your life for divine family. I will make you into a great nation. God wants to give you the right spouse, the right home life, the right marriage, the right relationship with your kids. He wants your family to be a source of heaven on earth, a haven from the pressures of life. Family should be a place where we come and where we can exhale and relax and have fun and hang out and have fellowship and build each other up and not pass along problems and put each other down and be a source of pain. It's got to stop with you. If you're a child of God, you need to begin to speak over your family. My family is blessed of God. Somebody said, well, I don't come from that. Start the cycle. Start the cycle. Choose right. I'm talking to some of the young people. Choose. You only get to choose one time. Nah, well, if it don't work out, I just get married again. You only get to choose one time. Choose right. It's supposed to be a place of blessing. But then it's also a promise of being part of a divine church family. The nuclear family has been under siege. Culture, listen to me. I don't care if I offend you right now by saying this. You got to be crazy to send your kids to public school. Loco, out of your mind at this point. Why? Because when you send your kids to public school, they are learning what something other than God's family ought to look like, and it is being ingrained in their head. They got books out right now. You can actually Google them. They got books out that they're showing to fourth graders where you have daddy kissing daddy. Don't look at me like I got two, three different heads. There is a remnant of people that are not going to fall to the culture, that are going to stand up for the truth of the word of God. And if it offends you, it offends you. The nuclear family is under siege. It is being redefined right now in all sorts of different ways. Why? Because the enemy knows if he can blow up the family, he could move on to every institution that hangs on the family. And now the new place that he's taking aim at is the family of God. He is now redefining what people consider to be church. I want you to know you cannot have a family at home unless you show up and are home. You can't have a relationship with your spouse via FaceTime. Hello? You cannot have a relationship with your spouse via Zoom. You need intimate, personal, close contact with one another. God has always intended for us to be in community. But because he has scattered the family... Where everybody thinks the almighty dollar is the most important thing in life. No, leave the dollar behind. Grow your family. Put it into your family. And then let God put the dollar in your family. And because the regular family has been blown up, redefined. Now, you, if you say the truth, you're insensitive. If you say the truth, you, you, you know, you live on Mars. If you say the truth, you're wrong. No. We need to say the truth as it says it in the word of God. And because the nuclear family has blown up, now the body of Christ, the family that has been named after Jesus Christ, his church is now being redefined to sit in my living room in my pajamas and drink coffee. That's not what the church is. The church is a called out assembly of people that gather together. Look it up in the original language. That's literally 
what it means. But then there is the promise about the kingdom of God collectively. I will make you into a great nation. This is all God's people and all of God's church marching together. This is all who hold up the bloodstained banner of Jesus Christ, saying we are one in Christ. This is the army of God. This is the mighty moving force. This is the royal priesthood. This is the chosen race. This is the, listen, the holy nation. Did you know, listen, we talk about races today. We are the chosen race. We are a chosen race, the Bible says. A holy and royal nation called of God to show forth the praises of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And when we don't march together, instead of fighting against one another, we lose the power of the nation that God has called to be the greatest nation the world has ever seen. And it's not America. Although I love America. It is the nation of God. And the nation of God flies not underneath a man-made flag. It flies underneath the blood-stained banner of Jesus Christ. And that blood-stained banner has standards on it. That blood-stained banner has morality on it. That blood-stained banner gives us direction in life. And that blood-stained banner says to the governments that be, we will obey the laws of the land, but your power ends at the church doors. Because as soon as we come into the church, we don't listen to your morality. We don't listen to your rules. You don't tell us when to assemble, how to assemble, where to assemble how long to assemble. We follow what Jesus says because our kingdom is not of this world and the kingdoms of this world will eventually become the kingdoms of our God. Let's march together as one mighty moving force. A great nation. I will make you a great nation. The third blessing that is supposed to be on us is the blessing of divine favor. Genesis 12, 2, middle of the verse, I will bless you. This is the promise of divine favor. This is the outpouring of God's grace on our life. This is doors opening when they are supposed to shut and, and, and doors shutting when they're supposed to open, right? This is when we rise up even when other people try to keep us down. This is when we stand out and shine bright no matter how dark it gets. This is God working on our behalf. This is God going before us and standing behind us and standing beside us. This is God smiling on us. This is God making his face shine us. This is God being for us and not against us. This is the divine enablement to do all things. This is the power that carries us when we're weak, picks us up when we fall down, puts a word in our mouth when we need to have it. It's a shield around us. It is the supernatural upon us. It is the strength within us. I will bless you. It is God's favor on your life. How come you got picked? Favor. How come you weren't touched? Favor. How come you're doing so good? Favor. How come you're not pressed? Favor. How come you you got a spring in your step? Favor. How come you're full of joy? Favor. How come you ain't worried about it? Favor. Don't get jealous of favor on somebody else's life. Our Father's got enough favor for everybody. The blessing of divine favor. It's a blessing that's on you if you're a child of God. The blessing of a divine name, Genesis 12, 2, and I will make your name great. I don't have time, but let me just tell you, you have been given a new name. God has put his name on you. He has given you the name of Jesus. Whenever, whatever you ask the Father in his name, he'll do it. In his name, you'll cast out devils. In his name, you'll speak with new tongues. In his name, you'll do greater works than he did. Just like in a marriage, when a woman gets the man's name, I know I'm a 
aggravate people, but I'm just in the mood to aggravate people tonight. Sorry. What is this business about you keeping your own name if you get married? Who told you? That's like coming to Christ and looking at your name. Marriage, the right kind of marriage. The right kind of marriage is when the giving of the name means something. It's biblical. It's covenant. Here's what it is. It's when a man says, I am now your covering. I am now your protection. I am now your provider. I'm the one who now stands in the way of anything that comes to you. And I know because some men have been total boobs and have left women out to be stranded that women don't feel safe. Don't pick that kind of man. Pick a kind of man that you look at the fruit, look at the fruit before you tie the knot. If the fruit ain't there, don't marry him. And if the fruit is there, receive that covering because it's the way, just like in marriage, a man gives a name, it's a covering. When God gave us his name and put his name on us, a new name I will give you the scripture, he put his covering on us, he put his protection on us. We need to use that name. Because at that name, heaven and hell come calling. At that name, hell goes running. At that name, demons tremble. At that name, angels stand at attention. Isaiah 62, verse 2. The Gentiles shall see your righteousness and all the kings your glory, and you shall be called by a new name which the mouth of the Lord will name. The promise. Of a great name. I want to skip five. I'm ending with five when I go into six. Six blessing. Genesis 12, 3. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. This is what I call the blessing of divine effect, not divine effect. There's a difference between effect, A F F E C T, and effect, E F F E C T. Effect is the impact something has on you. You don't have defined divine effect in your life. Things are not supposed to have the kind of impact on you that they have on the world. Why? Because we have a hope the world doesn't have. But you have divine effect on your life. This is the impact you have on other things. So God said, when my blessing is on you, there is a divine effect on your life and therefore on everything that touches your life. People and places and things won't even know why they are blessed or cursed, but it is because of you. If you are in Christ, there is a divine effect on your life. Remember Joseph. He blessed Potiphar, not because of Potiphar, but because of Joseph. He blessed Egypt because of Joseph. He blessed prison because of Joseph. The blessing of God was on Joseph, so it came on everything that was associated with him. Get around people that got the blessing on on them because it will spill over on you. My kids can't help but being blessed. My kids are going to be so blessed when they get to be my age. I don't even know what if they're going to be able to know what to do with their blessings. Why? Divine effect. Same is true for you. Divine effect. Watch this. Number seven, and I'll come back to number five. Divine impact. Genesis chapter 12, verse number three. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. First, this speaks to generations to come. Right? God's blessing is supposed to affect your children's children. Right? The Bible says in Psalm 115, verse 14, may the Lord give you increase more and more, you and your children. 
God's blessing. Listen, you are a linchpin. You don't understand what you are in the cycle of your family. The devil ought to weep when he thinks about the day you got saved. Because you have started something. And and it's okay. You may not see it all in your generation, but that's okay. Because it's just going to pass right through to the next generation. Many of the patriarchs did not see the promise with their own eyes, but they saw it afar off because it came through them. Are you okay with being a pass-through? See, you are supposed to be the carrier of something that gets stronger and stronger and stronger and keeps picking up force. Proverbs chapter 13 verse 22 says, a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. And the greatest blessing you carry which will touch the whole earth or should touch the whole earth is the blessing of Jesus Christ. When you gave your life to Jesus, God intended that you would be the first one that would set ablaze your entire family. Everybody's supposed to get saved in your family when you're saved. So why don't they? I don't know what your light look like. Hello? What's your light look like? Hard to get people in your family saved because they see all your warts. That's why you have to have genuine change because you can't fool your family. You say, God's changed me. They'd be like, <laughs> see you drinking like that last night right there. What do you mean God's changed you? See what you were watching. Heard what was coming out of your mouth. What your light look like. You're, you're supposed to be the chain, your light is supposed to be so bright. Your, your family's supposed to be like a bug in the night coming to the light. Ever see that? You, know, you put the, put the bug zappers out, you know, so you can you know, get the zaps of it, and the bugs be like, that's what it's supposed to be like. Cause you carry divine impact. But I skip number five and I want to end with five. It's, these blessings are fun. It's good to know how blessed you're supposed to be so you can, you can aspire to walk in it. But the, the fifth blessing, and I skipped it, is that you're supposed to be a divine gift. And the reason why I skipped it is because this blessing bears the namesake of our series. And I think God put number five and number seven in their place coincidentally. because Not coincidentally, because five is the number of grace, and the fifth blessing is you being a divine gift. Grace is a gift. And seven is the number of perfection. Jesus is the greatest blessing that you should have that will impact the world, right? Number five speaks about why we are blessed. Why does God bless us? Two reasons, not just one, two reasons. Because you're his child and you're his channel. Two reasons, not just one. Because yours, do you need a reason to bless your kids? Half the time, they bless my kids. They don't deserve it. If I only bless them when they would deserve it, sometimes they'd be going without food. <laughs> be like, you're going to starve right now, right there. Aren't you glad God doesn't only bless us when we deserve it? Some, some of y'all's kids would be malnutrition. They would come in here looking like, you know, they, they hadn't eaten in a month, you know. But we don't bless our kids just when they deserve it. We bless our kids because they're our children, right? We want to bless them. God wants to give us good things. He can't help himself. He's the greatest daddy in all the world. Matthew 7, 11, I quoted it before. If you then being evil by comparison to God know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more shall your Father in heaven give good things to them who ask? He blessed us because we're his children.
But Genesis 12, 2, he blesses us because we're his channel. I will bless you and make your name great, and you will be a blessing. You ain't blessed just to live good, drive good, eat good, dress good, vacation good, or give good to your kids. This is the totality of where most people's blessing stops. Most people's are simply containers of the blessing instead of channels of the blessing. And here's what I know. Your container will never overflow if you are just a consumer of all that God gives you. Because that is not the primary reason why God gave it to us. He gives us blessings because we're his children, but he gives us blessings because we're his channel. He gives us blessings so that we can be a divine gift, so that God can use what he's given to you to bless people through you. Let me say it again. So that God can use what he's given to you to bless people through you. You are blessed so you can be a divine gift so that others can see and ultimately accept Jesus Christ because of the blessings that flow through you. And this is the heart of this series. This is why we specifically do a special offering every year so that we can continue to be a blessing. And wait till you see all the ways that we've already throughout the year blessed people and the blessings that we're going to do. And people are just going to continue to know Jesus is Lord because we refuse to just be a container. We are going to be a channel. And the more you channel the blessings of God to where God tells you to channel the blessings, the more the blessings begin to flow into your life. Just this week, Sometimes I hesitate sharing some stuff with you. But just this week, $82,265 unexpectedly came into the church. Just like that. Not from even a person. From an organization. Praise the Lord. We're happy for it. We're grateful for it. And you know what it was? It was on the heels of us just decided we got to give our people an increase. I wonder how are we going to do that? God said, here's $82,265. Praise the Lord. When you, when you determine to be a channel, the blessings keep coming through. You are a divine gift to the world in every way. Every blessing you have, God, this is your blessing that you've put in my hands. Whether your blessing is joy, whether your blessing is peace, whether your blessing is encouragement, whether it's, whether it's words of affirmation, whether it's your, your presence. How many of you know sometimes just your presence is a blessing? Sometimes people go through stuff and words, words don't, can't do anything at that moment. But your presence is a blessing. You are a divine gift. Can you say amen? We are blessed to be a blessing. Let's stand to our feet.